Welcome to the 32 Life Podcast, where we break stereotypes, build legacies, and help others along the way. It's your boy, Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. And thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the 32 Life Podcast redefining the black experience now i'm excited for this episode brown i know we have a lot of banter but i'm excited because we have an amazing actress on the podcast and we're gonna be talking about all the amazing things that she's doing but first before i bring in amazing guests have to check in with your favorite color in the world brown yes how you doing my brother my brother, I'm good. It's been about a month since I last recorded. Yes. And and, and I just want to say, I missed you, man. How's that? I miss you too. I mean, I, I kind of got to connect with you, you know, an hour before the podcast for some <laughs> um, home improvement works, you know. So, you know, it's a funny story, which we'll save for a little later. But uh, I'm just happy Brown, to give you Brown is a handyman wherever he goes. And um, yeah, but Brown, you've been running. You know, yes, how's man. that going? You've been running a lot. You you look lighter. You know, the yeah. camera yeah. usually adds 10 pounds, but it looks like it, you lost 10 pounds on, on the camera right now. <laughs> I, I, so in total, in total, I have lost 30 pounds and I feel light. You know, I feel great. And, you know, I just don't ever want to go back to the Matrix, you know. Okay. Enough said. Enough said. Enough said. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm good. You know, but we, we have our, we have our guest today, right? You know, yeah, let's, let's and, get you know, I, I just moved to the DMV, as you know, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, early this year. And this person is from Washington, D.C., you know, okay. so so I'm excited with that because, you know, now that I'm a new DMV, right, that's D.C., Maryland, Virginia, for anyone who don't know that's in uh, Sri Lanka or some of the other countries that our podcast is. Um, uh, and her name, she goes by the name of Abba Arthur. And she is playing Abina in the upcoming release on Christmas Day of the color purple. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna introduce you. Thank you for so much for coming on. Like you're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I'm excited to meet you too. Yeah, I feel like we're family already. Already, you know. <laughs> you know. Sure, of course. We of could course. come out with a sequel like the color brown, like you know, brown broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But hold up. We are all family of the diaspora, okay? We are all family. One color. <laughs> that's brown. So, so Abba, our listeners, you know, I want you to just tell them a little bit about yourself, right? Like, who is Abba? Oh, gosh. What isn't she? Um, <laughs> so, I am an actor. I'm a writer. I am a yogi. I'm a oh. spiritualist. I'm a dessert enthusiast. I am a plant mom. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. And I'm a sister. That's me. Okay. Love it. Love it. That's multifaceted. You know, like you're doing it all. And, um, you know, the one thing I was excited is, you know, you're doing multiple things right now. Um, But tell us where did your journey actually started? Oh, boy. Wow. I don't know which part. So I started in Washington, D.C., as you mentioned. That's where I was born. Yay, D.C. And then immediately my family went back to Ghana, which that's where we're from originally. 
Um, we spent some time in Ghana. I came back to the U.S. as a child and grew up in Colorado Springs. Um, after Colorado Springs, I went to college at CU Boulder, go Buffaloes, and then moved immediately to Los Angeles right afterwards to start this journey into the entertainment industry. I spent, oh gosh, maybe, I don't know, a little over 10 years in Los Angeles and then made my way to Atlanta. And that's where things really started to kick off. So, you know, booking little things here and there, but the journey really, really took off in Atlanta. So now you can find me anywhere. I'm somewhere between Atlanta, Los Angeles, Ghana, Denver. I don't know. I go where the wind blows me and where the work is. So talk to us about getting into the entertainment industry, because I know that's not an easy thing to do. And I know that there's tons of people, black people out there that are, that are interested in getting to, to the level that you are. So, like, how was it to just to get into the industry? You know, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> if we can be honest, I'm still trying to figure it out. Well, you met I... Oprah. No? <laughs> I... I didn't have a guide. I don't know that there really is. You know, I think that everybody's journey is very unique. This is one of those few career choices where there's not really a map. So you have to figure it out for yourself because you can do exactly the same thing that somebody else does and it'll take you somewhere totally different. It's it's very unique and very individual. For me, I am a fighter and I am very, very persistent. And so... Wow. I left Colorado knowing that I was going to Los Angeles and knowing exactly what I wanted to pursue. Um, I knew that I needed an agent because they were the people that negotiated contracts and I had no idea how to get one. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I got on that there good, my best friend, Google, and I started doing a lot of research. I figured out that agents are looking for specific types there was a bookstore called Samuel French. I don't know if it's still around, but at the time there was a bookstore called Samuel French where all the agents listed the types that they were looking for. So I went to the bookstore. I highlighted all the agencies that were looking for a type that was like mine. Um, I mailed out. I need to figure out what the exact number is. It's somewhere over 300 or so headshots by mail. Now you can do it by the internet, which is so much easier, but I was sending out postage to a bunch of agencies. I got back a couple of calls and somebody took a chance on me and signed me. So after I saw how that worked and I was like, oh, okay, once you have an agent, that's who they call when you get auditions and that's how they book you. That's who they talk to when you have contracts. I need someone who's gonna be my mouthpiece. After I figured that part out and I got an agent, um, I've had a number of them since then, but that was really the journey into it. It's like it laid the bricks and I realized, oh, okay, this is how this works. So yeah, that's how I got in. That's how I started. Go, go back to a time where it was like a struggle, a struggle of trying to get into the industry. How did you, how did you overcome that struggle? What was the struggle? If you can, if you don't mind talking about, but how did you overcome it and to get to where you are today? Yeah, well, there are a lot of quiet nights in this career field, a lot of them. And I feel like that that inner monologue that you have is what separates you from somebody else who isn't going to move on to the next step. 
So I was told very early on that the winners are the most persistent people. And that really stuck with me because I was like, okay, so talent plays a role, but really it's your drive and your persistence that's going to do it because there are a lot of people who have varying degrees of talent that become successful and what separates them from the people that aren't. So once I got that in my spirit, um, I've always been very clear about what my path was. And there are a lot of times where my life doesn't necessarily echo what I, where I know I should be or the path that I know I should be on. And those are the quiet nights I'm talking about where you're just kind of sitting around thinking, well, what's next? What happens? And again, it's just that inner monologue. It's that inner monologue. I have a lot of conversations with myself in the mirror. Yeah. I'm a big fan of motivational quotes. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of things I do in my house. I hang up signs. When I win big, I tell myself congratulations. You know, I have a lot of conversations with myself about what are we going to do now? What happens next? You thought this was going to happen. It didn't. What now? It's a constant reshifting. It's a constant reimagining. Um, for me, when when things started to look a little bit bleak acting wise, I thought, okay, well, what are the other ways in which I can learn in this industry? So I got a job in a casting at a casting director's office. I started working for an agency. Um, I started writing. That's really when I leaned into writing. I started writing and pitching my own television series, my own films. Um, I hooked up with other creatives, tried to figure out what they were doing so that we could work together. And then I started producing my own work. And what that did was it built the level of confidence in me that I knew I was good. So then people started knocking on my door to act in their work because I had already created my own. So it's really, it's really just about what you tell yourself. That's what I would tell anybody else in those quiet, quiet moments. It reminds me of that quote, um, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. And it, it seems like, you know, you was in that place where, yeah, you know, like no that. one was knocking to come, you know, uh, uh, cash you for a show. So you decided to build something of your own. Right. Um, so take me through what in your upbringing or maybe any mentors or someone who taught you to think in that method. Right. Because you said about uh, reshifting or repositioning like your your thought process or your framework in terms of why no one's coming you know, for opportunities. And, you know, that helped you as well. But I think changing that mind shift, you also took some action. Right. And that action led to opportunities. Right. So take us through. Um, I guess your upbringing or the advice that you that got you to that point to start thinking that way. I come from a family of very hard workers, people that are overachievers. Uh, my parents very, very, very much encouraged us to go out there and do our absolute best. It's like if you're sitting idle, it's not good enough. You need to be doing something and you could probably be doing it better. And so that has always sat in my spirit. I think it's probably just a natural course of my DNA. Um, and mentorship in this industry is a little bit difficult because as we were discussing, you can't necessarily follow the same path as somebody else. So even when they're giving you quote unquote answers, you have to find them on your own. Um, my late mentor, Suzanne Douglas, who I really love and still miss daily. She was an actress and she had found a lot of success in television and some in film. And um, I felt really fortunate to be able to pick her brain 
from time to time. And one of the things that she would always share with me is you just have to keep going. You just have to keep going. You just have to keep going. That was it. So regardless of your, if, if your mood is sour, if you are feeling insecure, if you're not believing in yourself, whatever it is that you're feeling, we're blessed as actors to be able to reflect the emotions of humans. So if what I'm feeling is insecurity, there's somebody else out there who's feeling it as well. So if that's what I'm feeling, then I'm going to write about it. If what I'm feeling is anger, I'm going to write about it. If what I feel is heartbreak and someone gives me a script, I'm going to use that. So it's just about also learning how to use your own real human emotions and working that into also the art and the craft and moving on. So we mentioned earlier that you know your the movie Color Purple is coming out on Christmas Day. And I want to dive into that a little bit. Um, so can you take us back to when you first found out that you got the role? And what was that like? Uh, it's still a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a dream. Oh, my gosh. So getting the auditions was strange because I remember it popping up in my email and I was like, the color purple. Is somebody really going to have the nerve to name their project the color purple? Because... Like so many of us, I mean, I grew up with the 1985 version, so I know it right. front and back. I know all the words, all the songs, everything. Mm-hmm. But then as I read through it, I was like, oh, this is the color purple. And this is bold and this is serious. And it's a whole yeah. new reimagining. Let me sit up straight and <laughs> really give this the respect it deserves. Um, and I turned in my tapes. And, you know, as I do with any other project, I think as you have to do as an actor, you turn something in and you just have to forget about it. There's a lot of rejection in this business. So if you hang on to stuff, it'll hurt and it'll get you down. Um, so I turned in all my tapes and I just kind of put it to the back of my mind. I was in Ghana with my family. We were actually at dinner and my I saw that my agent was calling and she doesn't call. She only calls if something is wrong or if something is great. And so I saw she was calling. I excused myself from a very important conversation and snuck out the back door. And she told me and I just, oh, gosh, <laughs> I really, I mean, honestly, I just kind of collapsed on the ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm really dramatic, which probably is why it's working in this field. <laughs> So I was like crying and failing, you know, yeah, yeah, like Oprah, yeah. I finally get to meet Oprah. You know, I just was so excited. And um, then I got a chance to go back in and share with my family, who, of course, they're also big fans of the color purple because I didn't really said much to anybody until then. But once I knew I had it and I knew I was going, then I felt free to share. And wow, what a what a life changing experience this has been. Truly. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love, um, you know, you one, I think a good message in there is like when you're working on something, right? A lot of times we like to share that, hey, we're working on something. But one thing I picked out of that is that you waited until it actually happened to tell others. Because um, I think sometimes you tell people and you don't know what their energy is and you don't know if they have the best interest. So sometimes keeping it in until it's actually done is, is actually a good message, especially in the social media era. I think it's a, it's a good good practice. So I love that you did that. Um, so 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 you are elated, right? You're you know this is a dream come true. What was your parents' like full reaction to it, right? Because I know like you mentioned you know you're an immigrant from Ghana and you know you're 
an actress and you know you succeed in this so t- take us through like what their thoughts was at that time <laughs> that's so funny my parents they get excited but I think that sometimes I think they have to see it to really <laughs> to really get what's going on um I mean, as you were saying, I've had a I've had a lot of exciting calls and they don't always pan out. And so I think this was probably (laughs) realistically was probably one of those situations where it was like, I'm going to be in the color purple. And, you know, let's see it. Let's see. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Is it a regional production? Is it like, like, what are you doing exactly? Um, But, you know, of course, when they gauge their level of excitement also by how I am, because they know that I don't get excited about stuff until it's the real deal. So I think also that was another thing that I want to credit them with once they really grasped and saw that it meant so much to me. They were fully on board. They always are. Yeah. So you show up to rehearsal. Do you do you see Oprah the first day? Like, cause you you said you you met Oprah, so I, I gotta I gotta ask about that. <laughs> gotta ask about Mama Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I knew it was coming. Okay. And I had been waiting for it my whole life. Did I say that already? My whole no. life. Okay, I had been waiting to meet her my whole life. So I knew it was coming, um, but they gave me a role and I have a script and my job is to help tell this story. So that's what I was focused on. And I was like, whenever that happens, it's going to happen. But, you know, professionalism, you got to stay focused. So we go to rehearsals, we go to set, we're filming. (laughs) She would come in and come out and, you know, kind of do her thing from far away. And then one fateful day on set, we got the chance to actually meet and chat. And she was all the things that I would have hoped. Very vulnerable, very kind, very wise, regal. She just um, was really pouring out. You can tell how important this film is to her and the story is to her. And very particular about the way everything works together. I learned a lot from that. I learned so much just from watching her as well as having a conversation with her. So it was great. It superseded all my expectations. So I'm, I'm only asking because you, you just said it. Like, what are some of the things that you, you learned from Oprah during that time? Details matter. Mm, okay. Details matter. Every Why? detail makes up the larger picture. So for us audience members, we watch something and you have a feeling that it's good or that it's bad. It's funny or it's not. It's emotional. It's not like things invoke big emotions in us. And that's how we remember them. But nobody is paying attention to what the person in the back is saying or doing. You know, the the, the person who is talking usually has our focus. And so every singular detail that is happening in the camera frame while somebody is speaking, what's going on behind, what's going on in front, she is a part of every singular detail. And I watched her and I learned that a lot of the time success is about putting all of the pieces together. It's not necessarily the whole picture as a whole. That's what the audience gets. But for us, they're puzzle pieces. And once you put them all together, then you get the picture. And that's what you give to the audience. So attention is in the details for sure. It's kind of like life. 
right? <laughs> like, yeah. Very much, very much. So, yeah. you know, some of our listeners, you know, this is, I would say, maybe blasphemy, have never seen the color purple, right? Um, you know, we're all, over, we're all over the world, right? So there's some people who haven't seen it, right? Okay. So, so can you tell us, I guess, with uh, this, uh, the 2023 color purple, like, what is the, the take on that? And can you also give us a deep dive into your actual character, um, Abina, that you play? Yes, yeah. yes. That was my next question. Okay, so I would say for anyone who hasn't seen the 1985 version, what are you doing and what are you waiting for? Please go watch it immediately. It is available <laughs> in so many places. Watch it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yeah, watch it, people. What are you thinking? Watch it. What have How you been you, doing? 30 to life listeners, listen. Watch <laughs> it. Watch. Okay. Yes. And then... What I would say without any spoilers is that it is a journey. It's a woman's journey through finding herself and being able to stand up for herself. And I think that for anybody watching this, there are areas in which you can connect. A lot of different characters that symbolize different parts of sometimes our whole life. For those of us that are in our 30s or have gone through our 30s, I think up until now, you've seen that the road is not easy. And there are a lot of times where you could have given up and could have cowered and could have done a lot of things. And for some reason, you're either sitting here and we're talking or you're listening to this and you made it through whatever you're going through. So even when even when you're going through something now, there is something that you have already made it through. And I feel like that is really important as we follow Celie's journey, just to see that she is a survivor and she's a fighter and she has been through so much. And then we see how that resolves in the end. And that's part of where I come in. But I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that for the listeners and for the viewers to see where I fit in the picture without giving it away. My favorite part of the movie is at the end with God's trying to tell you something. <laughs> like, that's my jam. <laughs> that's my jam. So I, I, I can't wait for that part. If that part is saying similarly to the old version, but yeah. But go ahead, Mookie. We'll I, I have to go see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, going through this process, right, um, the finished product like take us through how did it feel to you know to wrap up see the final product of something that you dreamed of always doing like what was that feeling like oh take us through that moment when you first saw it yeah so again as a as an actor there are a lot of things that i feel like you adopt through the process so that you build a thick skin so that you don't get crushed. And one of them is that the editing room has its own thought process. Sometimes you film something and you think it's beautiful and you love what you've done. And in the editing room, they make creative decisions. And when it comes out, it looks different than you expected. Sometimes it exceeds your expectations and sometimes it doesn't. And so I feel really separated from whatever the final result is always, just in case, because I I don't know. There have been a lot of times where I've gone and I've shot something and I've poured my whole heart and soul into it and it got cut. My scenes get cut. So you can't really find that level of attachment to it. So I went into the screening 
just grateful for the experience, regardless of what it looked like. I just was happy to have had it, happy to have the credit and happy to have been a part of something massive, whether or not I was in it. And (laughs) the opening credits went up and I started weeping immediately. Okay, I was crying the entire film. I cried through the whole thing. (laughs) I saw my face, I cried. I cried the whole time. I just, I was in shock and in awe. And afterwards I had to really take a step back and look at it objectively. And um, by the time the ending credits came up, the theater was silent. Wow. Everybody was just quiet. And what that says to me is everybody is processing. Everybody's processing. Yeah. So luckily for me, I was able to see it another time. And when I saw it the second time, I was able to watch it as an audience member and really take it all in. I mean, it's such a it's such an innovative reimagining of a story that we know so well. So even though we are familiar with the story, the way in which this one is told is very new. So it was, wow, just so beautiful. All the elements that came together, our incredible director, Blitz Vazawule, he is a genius. He came in with the cinematic elements. Um, Fatima, who is our choreographer, she came in with the dancing and the choreography. It just... All of it came together so beautifully, and I was far more proud than I even could have imagined I would have been with the final product. And that is the honest truth. So I'm sure, you know, the whole rehearsal process is a journey. And, and I know that those that process comes with peaks and valleys as well. Like, Can you just talk about some of the challenges that... Sh- you or somebody else might have experienced during the rehearsal process or the creative creation of the uh, the movie? You know what's so interesting is this might be the first and one of the only where I would say, I don't know that I had a lot of challenges here. Mm. Seriously. It was like the whole process of making this film, it was such a blessing. Wow. The set felt like you were going to extended family. We all became very close. We had really deep conversations. That was the um, next question, yeah. Yeah, everybody. And that starts at the top. When the directors and the producers establish an environment of um, family and they establish yeah. an environment of respect, everybody kind of follows that lead. And so right. we all had that for each other. So... Everyone would take their time, give each other space. We're dealing with obviously very, very emotional subject matter. So I think that whenever we needed that space, we took it and we gave it to each other. Um, The only thing I can think of that probably came up is, of course, we were filming outside and it's very hot and, you know, the weather. And so (laughs) we were getting bug bites and whatnot. Um, But when you really sink into the work and you sink into the depth of what we're doing none of that matters this was a great shoot it really was and i can't say that about everything but this one was a really great shoot no that's that's awesome that you had a a great experience you know especially you know uh, a title or a movie that has so much legacy right everyone who's really black has you know watched it with their family and recited so many of the quotables within the movie 
Um, so throughout this journey, right, you talked about, you know, getting the call uh, for the uh, role and also then seeing the screening of the finished product. What did you learn about yourself through this journey? Oh, that's a good question. I have always been very clear about my direction in life. And I've always been very clear about where I was heading. And there are a lot of times in my life where (laughs) my circumstances did not reflect what I believed about myself (laughs) internally Mm -hmm. and my journey. There are a lot of times in this business where, you know, you're struggling or you're broke or you're getting no's or, you know, a lot of things are going on. And I've just always had this knowing, like I, I know where I'm going and I know what I'm doing. And I think I said this to you guys already, but I always knew I would meet and or work with Oprah. It's just something I've always known. And I was waiting for that to happen. And so one of the things that, yeah, I can say I learned about myself is afterwards I was like, girl, you know, you already know the answers. You know where you're going. Now, when I sit around and daydream, I'm like, it's not a daydream. It's a manifestation. I'm just picturing what I already know to be true. Because this is something that I knew was true, even when it didn't look like it. I know it internally. So I know I'm not wrong. I know I'm right about myself. It sounds like patience. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you had to have patience, um, which is is challenging, even for myself. But I just think in this generation we live in right now, patience is not an an easy virtue to to have. So how did you have it? I don't know. <laughs> Do I? All the things you guys are asking me, I'm like, oh, I think this is all, it's all part of the journey. I'm still yeah. on. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just somebody who always, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. That's yeah. just who I am. And that's who I've always been. And I, I think a lot about my ancestors and I think a lot about the people that came before me. You know, it's a lot of people that came before us that are not here. And I know that they are guiding us and watching us. And I feel such a responsibility to them to be who they expect me to be. And that sits with me a lot. So in times where I may feel impatient or my circumstances don't match what I know to be true about myself, I sit in that and I think, okay. I'm going to surrender to this journey in whatever it looks like, because what else can I actually do? I know that I have a gifting in which I need to use for the people. And if it's not coming out right now in whichever medium I'm trying to make it come out, then I need somebody or someone to create some kind of path and show me where to go. And every time it shows up, every single time it shows up, Because in that patience, you also have to surrender. And if you don't have surrender, then you're always going to be fighting whatever your path is going to be. So sometimes I think the journey that we set out on is not always where exactly we're supposed to travel. And that comes through a lot of heartbreak and that comes through a lot of lessons. But I've learned to just kind of, I take my hands off the wheel when I don't know where the car is going. (laughs) I just, I let God and my ancestors and my spirit guides and whoever else is on this journey with me, I just kind of let them lead and I always get back on track. So I'm a, I'm a very faithful person in that sense. 
love that love that and, you know i think that's something that i think we all should do is you know um is think of our ancestors or the people before because um, every generation gets better right but if you go you know one generation back two generations it's like so much that they overcame so much that uh they didn't have that we have now that we take for granted um and if you do that you know reflect often you'll be like i'm complaining because uh i didn't get a call today they didn't even have a phone <laughs> like, like <laughs> you see or gps <laughs> You yeah. know, I think that sometimes when you think about the, the children in your life that you love, whether you're, they're your children or, you know, for me, my niece and nephews and my God kids, I think about them and I'm like, if I were no longer here, I would do whatever I could in my power from the spirit realm to make sure that they were OK. So why wouldn't my grandparents be doing that for me now? Why would my great grandparents not be doing that for me now? They are, and I'm certain that they are because I know what I would what I would be doing for the children in my life. So, yeah, I, I think when we when we sit with that and when we understand that we are very gifted in this day and age, and you know, GPS. I'm like, remember MapQuest when we used to print out the directions? <laughs> no, I mean. We we talk to our parents. They'd be like, "Remember a map or or, or following the North Star? Like, remember that?" <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're so blessed now, yeah. and who knows what they're gonna have in twenty years? But I know what they didn't have twenty years ago. So yes, I'm I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for what we have today. Awesome, awesome. I love that. I love that. I want to pivot really quickly. I know that, you know, we have the color purple that's coming everywhere on Christmas. But I know that you also have an upcoming project next year with uh, 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 a funny actor. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, gladly. I'm very excited about it. It's a television show called Bad Monkey which will be coming out in 2024. I recur on the television series. And yes, I got a chance to work with the Vince Vaughn, who I've always been a fan of. This gentleman is such a phenomenal human being. He was so deep, which was very surprising to me. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know. I think sometimes with comedians, you just think it's funny and light all the time. And Wow, I got a chance to really sit down with him and chat with him, and he is incredible. I really learned what a comedic genius was spending time with him because we're looking literally at the same thing and the way in which he was able to reflect back to me what he was seeing and articulate it in such a humorous way. I just was like, wow, that's a gift of the mind that everybody doesn't have. And so I just, wow, I'm so grateful to be a part of this project. And I just, I can't wait for the world to see it. And I'm hopeful for many, many seasons. Bad Monkey. Yes. Okay. So you're a, you're a creative, right? Yes. And, um, you know, being a creative is not always the easiest thing. You know, sometimes we have to take our breaks. Sometimes we get burnt out. Um, how do you just manage being a creative and an actress in life I think everything is balance and I feel like if it's 100% anything then good luck to you everything is balance I have so many parts of my personality that I lean into when I start to feel I actually I'm I'm nervous to say this but I will I don't get burnt out 
Because when I start getting to that point, I'm always going to incorporate something else in my life. I'm a big fan of treating myself. And one of my sisters, shout out to Ivoa, one of my sisters always says that she admires the fact that I know how to give myself little joys. Because when I'm having a bad day or when I'm struggling with something, I'll be quick to Uber Eats myself some donuts. You know, I'll go out and I'll pour myself a drink and I'll celebrate myself. Whatever the last accomplishment was that I had, I will celebrate that again. I practice yoga. So I spend a lot of time with self and just kind of aligning and speaking to my own body. And I know myself in the sense now that when things start to feel like they're getting sticky, if it's not smooth and if it's not going like this, like when it starts to get sticky, I stop. I always stop. I stop. I realign. That's when I check back in. What am I doing? Is this the path I'm supposed to be on? Is something off? Because if it's not going smoothly and if it doesn't feel like it's working, then something's got to change. And sometimes that something is me. And sometimes that something is how I speak to myself in the situation. But whatever it is, it's like stop, realign, adjust, move forward. And that has really been helpful so far. So um, I think that's what prevents the burnout, probably. Self-awareness. Yeah. 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 I love that. So you said stop, realign, adjust, move forward. Always, love always, it. always. Love it. Love it. I'm sure there's a lot of aspiring actors and actresses listening to this. What piece of advice would you give them? And then we have our final question after that. <laughs> I would say lean into what makes you unique. It's hard today to not be a part of trendy things. And I think a lot of the time we see things that are trending and we want to adjust to that. And I sometimes I don't rock I don't rock with those things and the advice is that you should. And so I would say to anybody who is on this path, the reason why you were given this gift is because there's something that is specifically unique about you that we need to see. And so be careful, even as you're going through your journey, that you don't lose that thing trying to fit into a different mold because your mold is exactly perfect. And it's exactly what we need to hear the story you're supposed to tell. God would never give something for you to someone else. Mm. Um, And, you know, if you remind yourself that, right, what's meant for you will be for you. um, I think that's always good. So I love that. I love it, too. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. So the last question of the day, favorite question of the day. Uh, Let me get ready. Let me sit up. Let me sit up. How are you redefining your black experience? (laughs) I'm redefining my black experience by setting up boundaries for myself. This year for me has been about redefining what my boundaries are and being very clear about them. There are a lot of times where, (laughs) in the Black experience, we know the image that is 
expected of us or we believe there is an image that is expected of us. We talk about code switching a lot. That's a term that kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> and we, our belief is that it is necessary. And so what boundaries look like for me now is being able to show up as my whole self and put the boundaries around how you're going to treat me and how I'm going to treat myself in the process. I've been saying no a lot more. I have been stopping earlier and just learning what is right for me, regardless of how I am viewed. And I feel like if we take ownership of that in our own experience, then we will redefine for the rest of the world that the Black experience is varied so that we don't all fall into the same box. Yes. Love it. Love it. Uh, profound. Profound, I think. You know, it's, it's, it's a work in progress, but uh, I think setting boundaries is, is a part of life. Um, and it starts as a child, and you never stop until you get to your, your gray hair days. So, um, you know, I think we all could take a, uh, a moment every day, right, to define, like, where are our boundaries and what we accept and tolerate what we won't. Because um, yes, eventually it becomes a habit or a pattern. And, you know, you make sure you are, one thing you said that I love this, you know, how are you talking to yourself, right? Right? Because how you talk to yourself it's often a reflection of how people may talk to you um, yes. or how people may treat you. So I love, I love that. And um, that's, that's awesome. Awesome that you, that that's how you're redefining it. But um, this has been an amazing interview. Thank you for yes. taking us through your journey as a actress, as an entrepreneur, creative, um, a family person, um, you know, talking about yoga, talking about, um, your moment meeting Oprah um, and, you know, um, your family upbringing and, you know, reflecting on your ancestors. I thought that was uh, amazing that you do that. And I think everyone that's listening now should think about that, right? Would have, you know, the people before you done uh, to get you to where you are today, right? And, and lean in to who you are um, and your u- uniqueness, right, in this world, right? Because, you know, you could be anything you want to be in this world, but a lot of times the best thing is just to be yourself. Um, so, you know, stick forward to that. But thank you, Abba, for coming on to this podcast. We're excited to see you in the color purple on Christmas, right? I'll be I'll be watching it. Brown will be watching it. Mm-hmm. And everyone listening, too, you better be watching, right? Take my mama. Yeah. Go door matinee if you want to get the six dollar tickets, AMC. You know, that's a good one. It's like get, having your own theater, because you know, a lot of people not in there. So try that. Um, but make sure you go see it. Um, Brown, last words. No, I just want to say congratulations. I mean, it's always a pleasure for me to hear someone who, you know, actualized their dream and is living their purpose and living their dream. Um, and you know, I just I just love to to hear that story and those types of stories so congratulations to you and i look forward to your show next uh next year and um i'm gonna say i know her i interviewed her (laughs) but yeah i appreciate Um, it thank you so much this is lovely you had me thinking about a lot of things that i don't normally think about so i appreciate you two very much for this you're very welcome so lastly where can our listeners find you Ooh, 
Yes, you can go to my website, abbaarthur.com, or you can find me on these here interweb social media streets at Abba the Goddess. Love it. Love it. All right. This has been another episode of the 30 Life Podcast, where we redefine the Black experience. It's your boy, Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. 30 to life. We're out.